And I've always been, you know, I've always been a planful entrepreneur, but I've always also just kind of let things see, like, where where does the river flowing naturally, you know, and just kind of let go sometimes. And it's interesting that, you know, where it goes and these opportunities that, that come your way if you just kind of let go a little bit. This is Show Your Business Who's Boss. Listen in on behind-the-scenes, unfiltered conversations with my favorite business owner friends who take charge and make their businesses work for them. Don't just be your own boss. Show your business who's boss. I'm Pia Silva. On today's episode, I've got serial entrepreneur and badass business owner, David Mamano. David is a seven-time business owner who now helps others achieve their entrepreneurial dreams. He's also the host of the Gonzo Experience podcast, the author of Crash and Learn, a three-time Inc. Magazine 5000 Growth Company winner, a TEDx speaker, and an adjunct professor at the University of Rochester. Today, we're going to chat about all kinds of things, including following your passion first and then figuring out how to make money from it, and how David started his career following his passion for stand-up comedy and how it has served him really, really well, even though he is obviously not a stand-up comedian. How David's next business idea practically fell in his lap recently, and his best advice on how to find your next big idea, what we can all learn from people like Walt Disney, and so much more. So buckle up. Here we go. Hey, David, how you doing? Pia, I am super, super fantastic. It's so good to see you. I love your energy and I'm, I'm honored to be on your show. Yes. Well, I'm honored to have you. I've been waiting until my following got high enough to uh, to, to deserve the famous <laughs> David Mamano. So, you are the best. You so, were on my show too, if you remember. I know. It was like three years ago. Probably was. It was when your book came out, right? So we promoted your book. Yes. And it was back uh, when it had a different name. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that right? The book had a different name? No, your podcast had a different name. Oh, my podcast. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. My, Avanti. We can, we can certainly talk about that. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, I want to talk about all of that. So, so let's take it back a little bit because... We met around then, and then I feel like we bumped into each other at least once or twice at different events. It feels events like that. It feels like that, Because yeah. we like travel in some of the same circles. So one of the things that really stood out to me, actually, I'd be curious to see if this is like a core piece of what your brand was or not, but it certainly mm. stood out to me, was that you had really gone all in on this strategy of owning your location in terms like you're in business, you're doing business consulting and in all these different ways. And you're building this brand around Rochester, New York. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Yes. And you were kind of like famous. You like made yourself famous in Rochester <laughs> and built this whole network of stuff. And I just thought that was such a brilliant representation of the, this idea um, of like becoming micro famous, like picking a, a niche. And a lot of times people pick niches that are industry specific, but you picked not industry, but location. And I just thought you did it really, really well. And I, I think I even wrote a Forbes article you about did. it. You did. I and that got amazing, amazing views or whatever it is. I was like, you, you made me famous, even more famous. So thank you for that. Well, there you go. It's a snowball yeah. effect when you do this kind of work, isn't it? So true. So I just loved that because I thought that was a great example for people that I talk to, you know, I explain to them how if you go all in all the way, you can make anything really pop. And you did that with with that area. So can you tell us a little bit first just about like what that business was and what your thinking was and, and 
yeah, what was the purpose? <clears throat> yeah, sure. Well, I had just, you know, when I met you, God, I think it was three or four years ago, at Ramon Ray's Smart, Smart Hustle Conference, right? And I, if you remember, I walked right up to you because you had a, a great name tag that said Pia. And one of my favorite aunts growing oh. up was my aunt Pia. And I was like, oh, my God, how many Pias are there? You know, and it's just the two of us. I do remember. I know. Well, you know, in Italian, Italian names, it's it's short for Joseph, Josefina. Right. Really? And then a lot of them will short it, shorten it to Pia. And that's that. what that's what she did, yeah. So it was like kind of her nick. But everybody called her Pia, you know. So that was her name. But yeah, yeah but I've meet, been you, Pia for a very long time. I've never heard that. Yeah, if you go to Italy and you'll see, you'll meet a lot of Pias, but it's it's usually short for Josephina. So yeah. <laughs> well, we learn something new every day. Well, look okay. at that. Look yes, at that. that's exactly that's exactly. So met you there. Yeah, I was rebranding and actually reinventing because I for the past fifteen years I I had another company called Next Step U, the letter U, which was a media company for high school students. The core of it was a printed magazine that would help teens with college, career, and life planning. Of course, the digital revolution, you know, killed print pretty quickly, especially for teens. So we went all, all online, uh, and then I sold it. And then I started Avanti. And Avanti started out as a coaching company where I would coach people to start and grow businesses. And then I started doing my own events. I was kind of like, I was joking with Ramon uh, that I was I was the Ramon Ray of Rochester, right? Like I kind of did exactly <laughs> what he was doing. He was doing it in New York. I was doing it in Rochester, right? And so, you know, coaching, events, writing books, started a podcast so really kind of a, a content and coaching company for for small business entrepreneurs mm -hmm. and and then you know Ramon and I had met years ago he interviewed me for his smart hustle conference we met at a small giants conference and he interviewed me on the spot I was a speaker there and we just remained friends I mean who doesn't like Ramon right so the podcast a couple months ago everyone oh my should God. go re-listen re to that episode. Anyway, yeah, I mean, yes. how, how can you not like, I don't think anybody does not like Ramon, right? What a great guy, doing great things. And so, so met you, spoke with Carl Gold. I like to say I shared the stage with Seth Golden. It's a joke because he spoke there too, although he and I were not on the stage at the same time, but but we, we shared the same But that's not how we talk about it as marketers. Eventually, right? <laughs> <laughs> you were on the same stage. It was the same day. Not at the same time, but yes, exactly. Yes, and we said hello. So, so that's how Avanti came to to be and Avanti means move forward and next step. So my previous company was next next step, and so it's kind of like let me I'm, I'm Sicilian, so let me take the Italian version of that, you know. So did that for about four years, and and really what that turned into, and it was kind of like you'll appreciate this being an entrepreneur. How what what that naturally turned into was a monthly uh, meetup in Rochester. So I had people saying, I love your your annual event. I would, how about you do it like monthly? And I'm like, okay, let me try like an after work event. And so people would pay a yearly membership fee and I would do a monthly event after work, different locations, country clubs, people's businesses, wherever. So different cool locations in Rochester every month. And, and the first hour-ish would be beer, wine, hors d'oeuvres, networking, connecting. And then the second hour would be a speaker. I'd bring in a speaker to teach anything, you know, like if you were in Rochester, I'd have, you know, Pia come in and talk about branding, right? And it could have been leadership, sales, marketing, et cetera, or just an entrepreneur sharing their experience. So we got that over to like 100 members and it was really great. And we started expanding into different cities and then, you know, COVID hit, right? And so in-person events, you know, not really popular anymore. So I started, you know, doing them online, the, you know, the, the infamous Zoom, you know, events and, you know, and, and people would show up and not as much, not as many people, right? And, uh, and not as consistent. And certainly wasn't signing up any new people, right? Because mm -hmm. these, you know, these 
you know, Zoom meetings offering a speaker, you know, like there were so many free things going at, it's hard to say like, hey, join my thing where we normally meet in person, but now we meet on Zoom and, oh, well, I'll, maybe I'll wait until you, you know, resume the in-person, you know, so. And so me just kind of being your, your I'll say your typical ADHD entrepreneur, I was like, you know, I'm kind of, kind of yearning to reinvent, right? Like COVID is a good time to just say like, you know what, I'm going to reinvent. And so the favorite thing I, I do is interview people, right? So I, I so I said, let me just kind of really double down on my podcast and see what I can do with that, right? And so with that became a reinvention. So my nickname in college, I went to University of Buffalo, SUNY Buffalo, and I was in a fraternity and my name in the fraternity became Gonzo. And that's a good nickname. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, I, I'd like to think it's that's because a, of Gonzo journalism. And well, that's uh, what I assumed it was. Yeah. Well, you're sweet. I love you. But really, it's because the other Gonzo? they thought I looked like the Muppet. You know, oh, if you look no. at my profile and my nose, you would say, yeah, there's a resemblance. So, <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure all of us assume that it's the Gonzo journalism. Well, thank Very, you. In fact, I was going to ask you how to. I appreciate that. Does this mean you're fictionalizing a lot? Of- well, well. so I did research on that. So Hunter S. Thompson, who was yep. the guy that invented Gonzo journalism, it kind of fits in really well because what 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 that meant at that time was that that you just didn't like write about the story like you were immersed in the story like you became part of the story to be able mm-hmm. to write about it and I'm like that's great because I am an entrepreneur and I'm immersed in it and I'm interviewing other entrepreneurs so I was like all right that makes more sense too you know so yes I look like the Muppet especially when I was you know 18 but you know more professional I am immersed in entrepreneurship and therefore able to report on it right so love it well dual purpose Good branding when it works both ways. Yes, exactly. <laughs> when it has a story. Actually, Worst of All Design was based on Steve's nickname in college. Oh, yeah. Worst I remember you told me that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so college yeah. nicknames. Great place, guys, to find your, your right. business name. Well, what's your nickname? <laughs> well, what's funny is, so when I went to college my freshman year, that's when Say by the Bell came out. And, uh-huh. and, and so, and then people were calling me, you know, and like, oh my God, there's this guy on, on uh, this show called Say by the Bell named Screech and you look just like him, you know? And I didn't have a TV in college. So then I finally got home and I saw the show and I'm like, oh my God, I do. Like we were twins. Like I looked exactly like Screech in high school. Like if I've shown you my high school picture, you'd be like, is that Screech or Dave Amano? And so I, so I probably would have been Screech if that show had come out by the time they nicknamed uh-huh. me, I had my, my pledge name. But at that, when they gave me my pledge name, Say by the Bell had not come out yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't think Screech would have been as good of a podcast name, so it's no. probably meant to be. Yeah, the, the Screech experience <laughs> might be not not that popular. Yes. Um, okay, gotcha. Oh, so you just renamed it? You just rebranded like in twenty twenty? Yeah, I rebranded it in the fall. The Gonzo Experience, gotcha. and I've been doing an episode. I've done an episode every week since October two thousand sixteen. So I've been consistent. That actually was the same channel. Like you'd, people didn't have to resubscribe. I just rebranded everything on the on on the same podcast yeah. channel. I thought you know, I built up all these downloads and subscribers, and why 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 start over? You know? Yeah, so. absolutely. I understand needing to move away from in person events, but what was the thinking behind? needing to rebrand why not shift the current brand i think a lot of people wonder when it's like worth it or people get very scared to change the name of something and I'm just yeah. curious i wish there was a lot of science behind it but frankly i just felt like it i just felt okay. like you know it's like covid i'm like there's you know there's a there's 
a lot, you know, I don't say it's an excuse, but but there's a lot of excuses for, for I'll say there's a lot of understanding for people starting over, right? Mm-hmm. You can say my business, and my business didn't fail, but you can say, oh, my business failed, and people will be like, oh, we understand, COVID, right? And and this, there's a lot more, you know, empathy, forgiveness, understanding. In my case, it was just like, it was, it was just a good time and opportunity to say like, you know, I'm coming out of COVID with something, you know, new. Fresh and exciting. And fresh and yeah. new. And, and actually, when I, when I did rebrand, I thought we were like coming out of it because, you know, it was like the summer and people were starting to feel normal again here in New York and we were going outside and seeing people. And of course, that second and or third wave hit and, and we all had to hunker down again. But mm. at the time, I'm like, I'm, gonna, I'm coming out of COVID and busting out with a new brand and some new energy. And so that was that was like kind of what was in my heart, you know? Gotcha. I love it. So, I, I mean, creating content is a big piece of what you've been doing for the last yeah. five, 10 years. Like really, like to your point, doing a little bit of what Ramon Ray is doing, like media company. And that was part of the Rochester thing that you were then building, which was just being like the strategy being you took what I kind of recommend to some people in terms of finding clients, you know, like don't just network with people, kind of be where the networking happens, you know, like be the host and then you are able to leverage your time even more. It's more work, but you kind of triple up on your on what your efforts are. And you took that to a different level, which is like be the media company and then everybody will know who you are. And they absolutely did. And actually, I think I got contacted by somebody I went to high school with who I didn't even really know who was like, I know David Mamano and he knows you (laughs) like because she lives in Rochester. So, of course, she knows who you are. Right. That's kind of of the vibe. Oh, yeah. Of course. It's like that show that 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 movie, uh, The Breakfast Club. When you know, I forgot the the characters, but uh, the the cool drug guy was talking to the geeky nerd yeah. guy and, and asked him if he ever you know had done it, and he said you know oh I'm I'm kind of you know you know she lives in Niagara Falls and and, and he's like well apparently you're a, a huge deal in the in the Niagara Falls area you know so <laughs> yeah so I'm, I'm I'm a huge deal in Rochester right so I'm just kidding but yeah <laughs> but yeah I know that's but but I mean that can get you really far being like a huge deal in a in a space and. Actually, the mm-hmm. that whole that strategy is really what we used for, and I feel like it was probably even influenced by meeting you, Steve's art. Like we kind of tripled down on this neighborhood in Brooklyn, and it yeah. did really well. Like he's the Greenpoint artist, so everybody in Greenpoint, you might not even know where Greenpoint, Brooklyn is if you don't, you know, if you don't yep. go to Brooklyn a lot. You don't. It's right. not a huge neighborhood, but but just really owning that location kind of makes you ubiquitous yeah. to a bunch of people and that's really effective well you know going back to seth golden he wrote a book a few years ago now you know and the title was i believe small is the new big right and mm-hmm. you know we're not going to beat amazon right you know we're not going to be walmart but 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 the, the way you 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 could beat them in a way is by doing what they can't do and that's by owning a community, right? Mm. Like, you know, so one way that I can be Jeffrey Gittimore is he's not going to remember my local Rochester client's birthday and send him a card and maybe take him out for breakfast, right? But I can do that, right? And so so that's how that's how we can win in this world is by focusing and owning a a, a niche which could be your community. Gotcha. So how is that translating now that you can't do in-person stuff and, and now that you've rebranded? Like, what is the yeah. what's the goal and the purpose of of the Gonzo experience? Yeah. So the Gonzo experience, you know, really ends up like I love doing it. I meet great people like you and then opportunities just come to me. Right. And 
so what has happened recently is amazing, right? So somebody, you know, I still do coaching, right? So I get some coaching clients from people either being on my podcast or um, listening to my podcast, right? A lot of my clients are people actually that want to start podcasts, right? So I will, I have a whole program to help them start, you know, launch launch a podcast, all that stuff, right? Market it and really figure out the why, like, why are you doing a podcast, right? That's kind of the core of what we do. And then other clients are just, they're small businesses that want to grow. So people that want to start businesses or grow businesses. Mm. So, but the coolest thing ever just happened because like I said, I, you know, my favorite thing I do is interviewing people. Like I love it. Right. And, you know, I've always but fascinated with with Oprah and you know Howard Stern and Larry King how they could just get stuff out of people you know mm. and so this very local I'll say this very wealthy local businessman about a month ago called me he said Dave I love your podcast I love your interviewing style I want you to interview me and I said what for my podcast he goes oh no 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 I just want you to interview me because I want to I want to like capture my story so it's like a legacy for my kids and grandkids you know, his father had died when he was 13. He had been married three times. He had a very successful business. But, you know, he wanted to talk about everything. He wanted to talk about his childhood, his parents, his grandparents. He wanted to give advice to his kids and great, great grandkids, you know, based on his journey. And I was like, I love that idea. And so we rented a local studio, a production studio, and did a first class, right? We did first class audio, video. We ended up doing three sessions, two hours apiece. So we have six hours of video and audio with this guy, right? And then we're taking the, we're taking the audio and transcribing it into a book. So now he's going to have his autobiography as well. And uh, he paid me a lot of money to do this, right? And I'm like, wow, interesting universe, interesting God, just kind of just like came my way. There's no plan for it, but it came my way. And I was on fire doing it. I just loved it. So now I'm like, I'm going to try to do more of this. Like, I think there's a lot of people out there that would want their legacy or maybe their parents. Like I had one guy said, I don't want you to interview me, but my parents are in their eighties. I want to capture them, you know? And so I'm going to be interviewing his parents. Right. So, so I really feel like, wow, there's, there's another, there's, there's a business here. Right. I mean, Rochester, we joke at being a a small town and it is compared to New York city, but the greater Rochester area, there's a million people. So it's, you know, it's not like we're, you know, there's like a, a one traffic light town, you know, there's, it's a, it's a city, right? Yeah, and, yeah. you know, a million people, if I could, you know, if I could find a hundred people a year to do these legacy interviews, then that'll be a very successful business, right? So, yeah. so that's kind of like where the, my, my path is opening up, right? And, and I've always been, you know, I've always been a planful entrepreneur, but I've always also just kind of let things see like where where does the river flowing naturally, you know, and just kind of let go sometimes. And it's interesting that, you know, where it goes and these opportunities that, that come your way if you just kind of let go a little bit, you know? Yeah, that sounds like a great strategy that I would have a very hard time doing. <laughs> I think a lot of entrepreneurs, I mean, generally speaking, most entrepreneurs I know are super type A controlling, unable to let go. But it, yeah. that's a great point because that's where you really find. And actually, I, I hear that story. And when you read the biographies of some of the biggest companies that they really the ones who really listened to the market or, or looked yeah. for the opportunities as opposed to tried to fit their idea push their idea through that's where the success is i that's yep. very cool i thank love you. i love that idea too yeah thank you yeah i'm sure lots yeah. of people would want that well not just as a legacy but also i mean i i've seen that for business owners like oh interview me and then turn it into a book are you doing the book right. part as well 
Yeah, yeah, doing the whole thing. I found somebody to, you know, transcribe the book and, and then edit it and make it into a book. So, yeah. Wow. The whole work. So, yeah. So, you know, so you'll have this great video and audio version. And then, you know, your family will also have a book that you know, they'll put it on Amazon. So if, you know, future generations want to buy it. And, and so it's just like a real, it's a real oh, published wow. book. Yeah. You could even hire someone to take lots of their photos of their life and, you know, do that documentary thing where they yeah. scan photos and it kind of looks like yep. <laughs> they're filming stuff, but it's actually just photos and somebody talking. <laughs> yeah. No, what, what we're going to do is so this one guy is the first guy that I interviewed. He's going to be sending like photos through his childhood and his kids, et cetera. And, and as we're talking, we're going to intersperse these photos so that, you know, oh, as, yeah. as we talk about his kids, we're going to have a picture of his kids over there, you know, so just, you know, to kind of kind of add to the to the visual journey of the interview, you know. That is so cool. Yeah, my dad always talked about wanting to interview his dad for the longest yeah. time, but and then he passed and he never did it. And he was yeah. always like, I wish I'd gotten those, war, you know, my grandfather was in World War II. Like, I wish I'd wow. gotten those war stories on, yeah. on camera. And then, it, and then it's gone and it happened so quickly. Yeah. No, I have a great aunt who's 104 and uh, she's in a nursing home and, and I'm, I'm excited to get back in there because I, <clears throat> I want to interview her, you know? Yeah. Well, it's also cool because you really followed the thing that you love to do, which is interviewing people. It brings joy to my heart. I just freaking love it, you know? And and I, I you know, we all have our zone of genius. So it's, it sounds kind of weird because, you know, maybe it sounds like I'm bragging, but like, I, I think when you love something so much, it's because you're good at it, you know? And it yeah. just, it just kind of flows, you know? And you find your, your I guess my, my lesson here would be if you could monetize your zone of genius, you will be very happy in your career. No kidding. Well, and also if you love something and do it a lot, you will get better at it. So what right. comes first, chicken right. or the egg? Yeah, yeah, just keep <laughs> on doing it. Just keep, that's, you know, I mean, people get scared, but it's just like, listen, when Gary V posted his first YouTube video, it had like, he talks about it, it had like three views. You know, and he, but, but he didn't get discouraged. He, he kept on going, right? And <laughs> he clearly loves the camera. <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he does. Now he gets three views even before he posts, right? Right. So. <laughs> right. Well, what about people who don't know what their zone of genius is? How do you, how, how do you say yeah, that? Yeah, that's a, that's a great, great question. And I think it requires, you know, I, I just think some, some thinking time, right? Just some time to be alone. Maybe you go walk in the woods and just really think about like, what are your values? What do you like doing? anyway if you could get paid to do something what would that be what's important to you you know if or even if too if like if money was no object in life and you could just do something that brought you joy what would that be right and then and that's our thinking about okay like is there a career around here you know mm -hmm. is there is there you know is there a way to to monetize this this thing that i love in life anyway and that i think that's the secret to life as far as a lot you know we 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 sleep and we work more than we do like anything else right and if you i know you're you're done at like i think one o'clock or something because you're you're like the time management <laughs> guru and love that but yeah, it shifted a little bit with a kid but yeah oh that's right you have the, you have the, the kid now that's right yeah but and so you know kind of everything else falls into place if you could get up in the morning and just feel joy about what what you're going to do for a living you know i just think you just you just feel better all around and, and other things like relationships and mental health and physical health, et cetera, are, are really set up to fall in place a lot easier. Well, I'm a huge fan of that. I mean, I usually tell people, you know, first things first, 
what do you love most about what you do and where what is most profitable and if those two things intersect boom that's your business don't right. do anything else they yeah. don't always intersect right <laughs> sometimes the most profitable thing is not nearly is not even close to the thing that you love the most to which i say you absolutely can make anything more profitable if you are creative and also right. put energy into it i like to think of the weirdest people who have made careers out of things you would never think of like like you know will shorts the guy who did the new york times crossword for yep for i think he majored in puzzle <clears throat> like made his own major in, in college and it was like puzzles <laughs> it's right. like something yeah, that yeah. as a parent you might be like i don't think you're gonna make any money off of that but there he is right. yep. will schwartz <laughs> oh yeah yeah no i you know a lot of times and that you bring up a good thing too is if anybody younger listening to this you know sometimes it's a struggle because your parents or even your peers they they look at you like you know no i that's that's not gonna work you know and and it's tough when it's your parents right it's because you, you feel like you got to please them and it's hard to go against them but i'll give you an example so when i when i graduated college i had done some stand-up comedy in college because i thought i wanted to be a stand-up comedian and then i got a job in, in when i graduated college i came back to rochester and i worked in radio sales but I was doing stand-up comedy just for fun, right? And then there was a Funniest Person in Rochester contest, and I won. Now, you could imagine the competition was intense, but yes, <laughs> I won. <laughs> hey, I love it. I love it. Yeah, so of course, you know, I'm 22. Ego is huge. They're like, oh, wow, I'm the funniest person in Rochester. <laughs> million people. You're I'm the funniest guy people. out of a million people, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think of it that way. Thank you. And then, But I had a friend in Chicago who was taking classes at Second City and doing improv and doing stand-up at, like, and I went to go visit him, and I'm like, oh, my God, I got I to gotta do this. I, I, I have to give it a shot, you know? And that whole rocking chair proverb where, you know, I don't want to have any regrets in my rocking chair. So I'm like, I'm doing this, you know? You don't want to be 95 on your rocking chair, like, wondering if you were supposed to, you know, like, was I supposed to be, like, the next Jerry Seinfeld, you know? Like, I, I always vision myself on my rocking chair, and if I'm going to regret that I didn't try something, then I do it, right? Okay, so, so, to live by. There okay, you go. So you, so you went yeah. to Second City to do it? Well, I did. I took classes at Second oh, City cool. and Improv Olympics and uh, did stand, all, all that stuff. So I tell you this because when I was taking, I, like, I didn't perform on stage at Second City, but I did, you know, like professionally, but I took classes, right? And so, but I went to Second City to watch the comedians because they were just so phenomenal. So there was a new guy when I was there, this is in the early 90s, there was a new guy that was just starting out at Second City, and his name was Steve Carell. Oh, my God. And <laughs> he was clearly hilarious, right? He was clearly, like, the funniest like funniest guy on stage, natural talent, and you knew he was going someplace. And so one day when I walked out, you know, he was out there. He was just hanging out, having coffee. And I went up to him, and I was like, oh, my God, you are fantastic. And I just asked him, I go, I, like I, I told him that I'm starting out, you know, and he, oh, great, great. And then I said, you know, tell me, like, how did you get into this? And he goes, well, my parents were dead set that I was going to be a lawyer. And I, I went to law school. I hated it. And I dropped out. And here I am. And I said, how long did you last in law school for? He, this is funny. He goes, about three days. <laughs> and I said, how do your parents feel? And he goes, well, they're not, not too happy with me right now, you know. And, and I have to think, like, Boy, oh boy, are, are his parents happy now, right? So, yeah. So you, you can't always be like concerned about like what other, like pleasing other people, you know? Like you look at most successful people and they, they did, they had to go against the current to often get started, right? So one of my one of my favorite entrepreneurs ever, I've read a lot about Walt Disney and I mean, every step of the way, people thought he was insane, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, we think of amusement parks, amusement parks today and 
you know, no big deal. Of course, it's a great idea. But, you know, on no, the that scale was all that, new. Nobody, yeah, none of yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. On the scale that he was thinking, like people literally wanted to lock him up. You're like, I think you're having mental problems, you know? And uh, so, so that's okay. Okay. So I love that. And I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but mm. the, the flip side of that that I've noticed recently, I don't know if you watched either the Theranos HBO documentary about that woman with the blood. I haven't um, watched it. I, I know the story you know to some the extent. story. Okay. Or yeah. the Fire Festival one. The I watched fire. both of these. In, I watched the Fire Festival. Did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So both of those, I, I think I watched them near the same time and they kind of were telling me the same message, which was the, the, the problem like I'm all about that you know it's a, it, everyone thinks you're crazy and you're like no I'm the next Steve Jobs <laughs> you know, like right. I got the big idea like yeah. this is only telling me that I should do this more and then I watched those two documentaries I was like yeah but not those those are terrible <laughs> ideas right. yeah. you know like this guy thinks he's invincible it like doesn't make sense and I, I feel like a lot of some 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 mm. young people almost almost go with without the grit part like yeah. without the honesty with themselves part. And again, like don't want to be a Debbie Downer. Definitely go for your dreams and go for the things that you love. But yeah. don't do it blindly. Like understand that it takes hard work. You can't lie your way into a festival on an island. You can't will the water pipes to be on this island <laughs> that right. don't exist. Yeah, you can only manifest so much too. You can only manifest so much, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think you get that's a great point is that I think with with those two examples that you that you mentioned, you know, fire and Theros, that they were operating from a place of of lack of integrity, right? Really, kind of from the start, right? Mm. And maybe not from the very start. I think they had good intentions getting in, but they, they quickly went to a place of where they were lying. They were like flat out like having no integrity. Yeah, and they kept on moving forward with that, right? Whereas, you know, you, you look at, you know, a lot of other successful, you know, dreamers. Yeah, there were bumps in the road. And yeah, yeah maybe they had to tell some white lies to get past a couple of situations. But the whole the whole theory of their business was not not based on a lie. Right. right, and, right. And, and, and then continuing to move forward with that lie. And, and then, you know, that's eventually catches up with you right so yeah absolutely i think they're both in jail now right so they gotta be integrity i feel like yeah. she is not in jail <laughs> i yeah, feel right. like yeah, she's yeah. somehow got nine right. billion dollars tanked it and then is somehow not in jail <laughs> right right <laughs> because she's blonde she's blonde girl that's a whole other interview that's right? a yeah. whole other conversation <laughs> but yes oh I, I love that so much well you know what's interesting about what you're saying about the stand-up too and and i counsel a lot of my you know like younger cousins and stuff and I'm always like go for it do it not just because of the rocking chair moment but yep. because man you don't think all of that stand-up work helped you in whatever you're doing I mean stand-up is one of the best things you I took a stand-up class right. a couple of years ago for a very brief amount of time it's so yeah. hard yeah yeah but you're <laughs> so but you're stronger hard. because of it right yes it's 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 a skill that will translate to anything you do really yeah. I think if you look at it that way, then it, you can't make a wrong move. Well, it's 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 proves that 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 saying in that song, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? Mm -hmm. And you, if you could do stand-up comedy, if you could do public speaking, that helps. But then then take it to the next level. If you could do comedy, your confidence level boosts not just in public speaking, but in other areas of your life. You 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 know, your spine becomes you know a little bit more titanium, right? Because you're like, well, if I can do that, that I could lead this group or you know, I can be bold enough to not go along with this group think decision, right? So you just, it just definitely instills more confidence in my opinion. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I talked. I've talked to a couple of entrepreneurs who who have done like improv on the mm-hmm. side for the same reason. Just being able yeah. to roll with the punches, being more confident, being more comfortable. Not to mention just being more comfortable with your presentation. And right. I mean, hello, you're you're an interviewer and a podcaster. You're a performer in a right. lot of ways. I mean, it it, it works. Yep, and I have. You know, I was the guy who was the class clown in high school. And so I, but even I was afraid to do stand-up comedy. But when I was in college, there was a contest that was going around the country and they were trying to find the funniest person, the funniest college student, right? Uh And my buddies were like, you should try out, you should do it, you know? And I was like, no, no. And then they convinced me to do it. And so there was like eight of us that that were on stage for this contest at, at college. And, you know, I didn't win, but I won in another way because like, I went from being so scared, I think I broke out, you know, in hives and was convulsing before I went on stage to like living and you know, I did it, I didn't die. And I got through that and you're right, right away I was like, oh my God. And my my confidence definitely went to another level after I did that. That's so cool. I would love to see that. Do you have yeah, your stand- that to you. Do you have stand-up on, do you have any of your stand-up? You know, that's funny. That's the only one that was recorded was my debut. Uh, but you'll, you'll, you know, you'll, I think it was 1989. And people say I look like if Adam Sandler and Jerry Seinfeld had a baby, it would be me. I had the big <laughs> afro and I look like a lot of people apparently, but uh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I love that so much. So what happened, like what happened between stand up, hanging out with Steve Carell yeah. <laughs> and yeah. like starting your first business? Yeah. So I was in Chicago for about a year and, you know, I liked it, but I didn't love the whole comedy thing. Right. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is my calling. I enjoy doing it, but I'm not I'm not feeling the calling that that I must do this for 10 or 15 years or for whenever until I make it, you know. And so, you have to love it if you're going to be a stand-up comedian. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have and to just breathe it. <laughs> you have to breathe yeah. it. And, and you know, a lot of people in the business are really, you know, they're on drugs and drinking and they're that like, they're, it's really, and I, and, you know, I certainly had fun, but I, I, you know, wasn't at that, you know, that level. Right. And it just wasn't, it wasn't my thing. You know, I'm like, I could do this as a hobby, but I don't think it's my living. So, you know, and meanwhile, back in Rochester is my big Italian family and I'm missing them. And I'm, you know, I'm, you know, they're calling me, oh, we're, we're having a, you know, lasagna. I wish you were here. I'm like, oh, you know, so I ended up coming back. Got another job in radio, and I was in radio sales for another couple of years, but always had this bug, like, I think I just need to do my own thing. You know, like I had a boss, but I just hated having a boss, right? Like he like he was a nice guy. I didn't hate him. I just hated having a boss, right? So eventually just said, I think I just need to do my own thing. I think I need to create something from scratch and be in control of it. You know, not because I'm a control freak, but I did want to control the standards, the quality, the culture, you know, just be really proud of the product, you know. So while I still had the job in radio, I started thinking about what I would do. And I I had ran I ran, ran the school newspaper in college and I loved that, right? And then my after college, my volunteer activities all revolved around helping youth. I, I was a counselor at a, a camp with for kids with cancer, Camp Good Days and Special Times on one of the Cuca Lakes. <clears throat> or on one of the Finger Lakes. It was actually Cuca Lake. And I was a big brother, big sister, you know, in, in there. I was in junior achievement. So anything I did helped kids. I'm like, I wonder if I could combine my love of running that 
the newspaper and helping young people. And then it came to me that I would start a magazine that would help young people with life after high school, specifically college planning, career exploration, and life skills. So I launched it in 95 when, you know, print was still a thing and and it was a hit. We printed 10,000 copies in Rochester, gave it free to the local high schools in bulk. And the way we made our money is we sold ads, mostly colleges, banks for student loans, a little bit of military, anybody that wanted to market to high school students. Made a profit, went to Buffalo and Syracuse, our neighboring cities the next year, made a bigger profit. And then the following year in 97, we went to all New York State. And now it's like I could quit my night jobs as a waiter and this was actually like a business. And, and then we started franchising it. So I franchised it around the country, state by state, region by region. And within about three years, we were in every state. We were in all 50 states. We were in about 20,000 high schools, five times a year, print, wow. mobile, digital. We were in Inc. 5,000 company three years in a row and Rochester Top 100 company. It was like... That's amazing. Hold on. Can you can, tell me, how did you figure that out? Obviously, you figured it out as you went along. What do you, what do you credit as having helped you figure all of those things those moving pieces out like <laughs> yeah i know it seems overwhelming i yeah. think i'll credit my 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 being self-aware that i i didn't know how to do it all and that it was okay to ask and you know bringing people to help me right so i mean totally the, the the reason why the business grow is just i surrounded myself with just wicked smart great people that were, were drinking the Kool-Aid, and it was a good Kool-Aid. It wasn't the bad Kool-Aid. It was a good right. Kool-Aid. They believed in the dream. They believed in the Was it Fire Festival Kool-Aid? It wasn't it was, Fire Festival. Was, yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah. No, it was good helping Kool-Aid. Helping high school kids. It's cool. Yeah, we're helping yeah. kids, right? And and so it was it was really, you know, when I was ready to franchise, I found a, I found this, you know, this great person who was an expert in franchising. And I just listened to him, you know. You know, when we got to the point where I needed, you know, what's a COO? Oh, yeah, I guess I need one of those. You're right. You know, and just, you know, talking <laughs> yeah. to people that, that knew how to grow businesses. And then we got to a certain point where it would became just chaotic and because it was, we didn't have a lot of systems or processes. So I brought in a consultant and he's like, here's what you need to do. And I just followed his advice. You know, we created committees and task force and, 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 and systems to, you know, communicate better as an organization. And we did 360s on everybody. So we knew how we could all work together efficiently. And so it's kind of like a live MBA, right? Like, oh, I need this now. Okay, let's figure out how to do it. Right. And uh, so step by step, we got there, you know, and we, I think I would have still continued to be running that magazine if that darn digital revolution didn't come and kill print because I loved it. I was having a ball. Right. So. Wow. So you did it until digital came. Yeah, we retired the magazine and uh, started in 95. We actually retired the print in 2014. And then we took it all online. And and that's when things changed big time because it went from a traditional advertising business model where, you know, like colleges would advertise for, you know, branding, you know, traditional to more as the digital revolution took over, advertising became more of like, well, where's the lead generation, you know? especially colleges, you know, they, they, they weren't going to pay just for brand recognition. They needed to right. see that conversion. Yeah, that was part of it. But yeah, at the end of the day, if they spent 10 grand with me, they would want to say, all right, David, how many leads did you send us? How many of those leads applied? How many did we accept? How many enrolled? You know, so they want to be able to justify the ROI, you know, and that became not fun for me because now it was more of a transactional business where like you said, in the beginning of this podcast, I love creating content. I'm more of a content guy, right? Like I mm-hmm. like to create things that, that truly help people. 
and and not not just a transaction, you know. So it became not fun for me. So I sold it. I sold it in 2016, and that's when I had started Avanti. Once again, you know, content coaching that directly makes impact with people, which that brings joy to my heart. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. And that's what a content media company is. That's really yeah. what you were. And right. I mean, that's kind of what you're continuing to be with your podcast because that's what you love so much. I think if you create really good content mm-hmm. and, and and a lot of most of the time, I mean, there's so much content out there, it's hard to charge for it. Right. So a lot of people will create really great content like podcasts. Right. Yeah. And they'll give it away for free. And if it's really great content, people are going to be like, oh, my God, you know, I need Dave, I need Pia to help me with this because, you know, I've read their book, I've listened to their podcast, and I think they're the person that can help me do this, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's tough. Like, I just listened to a podcast. One of my favorite podcasts is How I Built This with mm-hmm. Guy Raz, and he just interviewed Rick Steves, you know, the the the, 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 the travel guy, and, and he's created a $100 million company. And he talks about how, especially in the beginning, he just gave away his content for free, and people thought he was crazy, you know, but... But he became known as the expert in traveling Europe. And then, you know, this production company came to him and said, let's do a TV show. Right. And then the show was free because you could just turn on the TV and watch it. But, you know, where he made his real money was was giving tours in Europe. Right. So that's that was that's where the cash register rang. But most of his content was for free, you know? Sure. And I came on talking about like the late 80s, early 90s. But so I used to go to a lot of Grateful Dead shows back then. Right. And, you know, the Grateful Dead at that time were being criticized for giving away their content and the fact in the way that they were OK with people recording their shows. Right. So they, they would call these cassette tapes bootlegs. Right. And and they 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 actually would set up microphones, you know, you know, in the in the front of the audience so that they could get better sound quality as they were basically, you know, bootlegging the show. Right. Mm-hmm. And and the record companies hated it. Every, everybody was against it. And, you know, Jerry, Bob, Phil, all those guys, they were like, no, nah, that's what they want to do. Let them do it. You know, and 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 Bob Weir talks about this. There's a great documentary about the Grateful Dead on Amazon. And Bob Weir, like, you know, he just admits that we just thought it was a nice thing to do. Like they didn't have any brilliant marketing strategy behind it. But what happened because of that is so many more people learned about the Grateful Dead because people copied these bootlegs, gave them away, gave them away. More and more people learned about the Grateful Dead so that when they came to town, the shows them. the shows would sell out. Yeah, and they and they and they only had number just one number one hit ever to make the charts. That was in the '90s. It was Touch of Grey, right? But but before then, they never had a number one hit. But they were the number one touring band uh, of that time, late '80s and '90s. Number one, right, in the world. And it, the credit goes to the fact that they gave away their music at the shows with these bootleg cassettes. More and more people learned about them, wanted to go to their shows, and so Bob Ware was like, "Yeah, that 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 that." Sounds great if that was our like, you know, marketing philosophy is like, but yeah, we were just being nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great story. And they are the they're the founding fathers of content marketing. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Without even meaning to do it. And, you know, a lot of oftentimes that, you know, great things come from people just just coming from a good place, you know, like wanting to do the right thing. And then it, it turns into something amazing from a marketing perspective. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, a similar story 
strategy to what I've done too. It's mm. like create lots of great content so lots of people know you and, and you monetize in different ways, yeah. right? Like keep being the best kept secret is not gonna help you build a business. Right. Right. right, keeping it yeah. too close to the chest, yeah. Um, and like like this free podcast that you're doing with me right now, right? This content, it's amazing. I think your business is going to double just from this interview with me. <laughs> I'm going to hold you to that, David. <laughs> I'm so uh, modest. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but it's true. It's it's you know not everybody wants to create content but content I, I think is dual purpose because it's mm. doing that it's building your audience it's getting you more known and you can monetize it on the back end but it's also an opportunity for you to get better at the thing that you're doing get better at articulating the thing that you know like having to explain it like meeting new people sharing ideas all of these things are business boosters as well so there's it's yeah. not just about the it's not just about building the audience. It's also about the internal growth yep. that you have. Yeah. And it all, it all starts, I think, with sincerely wanting to help other people. You know, like, and, you know, the, the podcasts that are advertorial, they're not that great. You know, I mean, if you, whenever you would read an article in a magazine and then you, you felt like, oh, they're trying to sell me something, you know, mm -hmm. maybe somebody was advertising and they wrote an article about that product. But, but in in a in a way that was trying to be content, but you could tell that it wasn't like it just ruined the experience, right? Like I I was like I don't like this magazine anymore, right? But but any content that is truly sincere and genuine, trying to help people and coming from a good place, that's the content that makes a difference in someone's business ultimately. I love that. Can you tell us a little bit about your new book that came out last year? Yeah, so great timing came out in in, in March 2020, right? So yeah, yeah, I was like, all right, perfect. It's called Crash and Learn, and it was Karen Kelder. I'll give her credit, who's one of my co-authors in the book. She came up with it, but the the whole it was first. It was going to be called Crash and Almost Burnt, right? And that stemmed from a lot of times in my podcast, I'll ask people that. I'll say, tell me about a story when you crashed and almost burned. But, you know, kept on moving forward and rose like the phoenix again. And everybody has that story. Right. And listeners would say that's the favorite part of the interview, right? Like, because it's raw and real. It's behind the curtain. You know, it's not the shiny magazine cover where everything is great. You know, like, right. no, I was like near a cliff and ready to jump. But I, I said, let me give this one more chance. And, and people love those stories because they can relate. And especially if they're just starting out and they're looking at everybody succeeding, it's nice to know like, oh, well, this person was like freaking out too. Okay, that's part of the journey and it's it's okay, right? So so then the idea was with the book is to uh, get other authors with me to write about their crashed and almost burned experience. So Karen Kelder was one of those. And she's like, what about crash and learn? I'm like, oh my God, Karen, if you have a microphone, drop it. So that became the name <laughs> of the book. And I got, including myself, there's 10 of us that that shared our stories of, you know, being on top, crashing, losing almost everything maybe, and then coming back, continuing to, to walk through hell and move forward to, to, to rise again. So so they're great stories. They're great authors. And, and so, you know, I've been selling a lot on Amazon, et cetera. I promote it. You know, no book tour yet, but maybe, maybe down the road. And I just like writing anyway. It's very, very therapeutic for me. So I, I enjoy the process a lot. Amazing. And you said that if people email you, you'll send them a free ebook. Was it of that book? It's that book. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Crash and learn. Yeah. Throw me an email. David at David Mamano.com. <clears throat> M-A-M-M-A-N-O. And yep. Yeah, yeah, I won't, I won't even put a limit to it. Just send me, 
Send me your email and say, I want your book, and I'll send you a free uh, e-copy uh, e of it. That is so nice of you. Well, you well, it's for you. Copy? It's for you. Cause, I'll cause buy you a copy. But no, I'm going to send you, email me your address. I'm going to send you a signed, uh, printed copy of the book. Okay? <gasps> yes, I love signed, printed copies. Well, you did, the, you. you did the same for me. You, <laughs> I still have your book. It's on my you bookshelf. Do? Of course. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Great cover. Yeah, the, you're, you're, <laughs> it's got a good brand. I don't know where you... Got the branding from, but it, wow, it was Where fantastic. Did I figure that out? <laughs> I, put, I put my face on the cover of the book so that people would recognize me later. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. It was a fame move. <laughs> well, you're very, you're very memorable. So good, well, especially with that face, <laughs> that particular face on the book. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for offering that to our listeners. You guys definitely should get that. Those yeah. those kinds of stories, we you can't stop hearing those kinds of stories because it's like we right. are constantly, and, and no matter where you are in business, right? You're constantly kind of crashing and learning because if you're right. growing if you're trying something new right. i mean yeah yeah well yeah another saying a boat safe in the harbor rots right like you need to get out you need to ride some waves and, uh, and make some mistakes uh, you know if you if you're if you're not making mistakes in my opinion you're not trying hard enough right <laughs> great point if you're not making mistakes if you're not crashing on the reg yeah. You're not you're not trying hard enough. You're, you're not, not trying do, hard you're enough. You're not doing enough stuff. That is a, a perfect way to uh, wrap up this conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been so great catching up with you. Absolutely, Pia. I, I can't wait to, you know, the curtain raises in New York again and we could all see each other. And I would love to come to uh, Brooklyn and, uh, and enjoy lunch with you and and I, I'm going to enjoy your husband's art as well, since he yes. owns that part of Brooklyn. He right? owns so, this neighborhood. So I love we'll, it. we'll show you around, David. Thank I you so it. much. Sounds great. As David mentioned, shoot him an email at david at davidmamano, that's M-A-M-M-A-N-O.com, and he will be kind enough to shoot you an e-copy of his book, Crash and Learn. I will link to that email in the show notes at piasilva.com backslash podcast. Also, as you know by now, for the first time ever, I'm giving you a chance to grab a free coaching session with me. It's part of my Ask the Listener series. So all you have to do is leave a review on Apple Podcasts, include a question, and if I answer your question on the show, I will invite you to schedule a free 15-minute chat with me where I can help you unstick your brand or your business. So go leave a review right now and let's chat. And while you're there, you might as well hit subscribe so you never miss an episode of Show Your Business Who's Boss. And if you love this show, please share it with a friend today. Taking inspiration from my conversation with David today, how set are you in your ways in your business? And are there opportunities right in front of you that you don't dare explore? Sometimes we, and I definitely mean me too, can be so myopic in our thinking that our business needs to look a certain way, that we miss the opportunities right in front of us. So just take this as an opportunity to expand your view just a little bit today. You never know what you'll see. And that might just be your next step to showing your business who's boss. Show Your Business Who's Boss is produced by Yellow House Media. Production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode is edited by Marty Seafeld. Production assistance by Kristen Runvik. Our theme music is Glass Prisms by Western Runners. <laughs>